Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Remain standing, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. We stand in honor of God's Word. If you're not able to stand up with us, we understand. Just stand up on the inside if you are able. As we honor the reading of God's Word today. The high holiday of Christianity. Resurrection Sunday. Acts chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 2. Find verse 22. And we're going to read through verse 39. Notes are beginning to be passed out even now. Let's read. New King James. Acts chapter 2. Verse 22. Peter preaching now. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you to miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death. Verse 24. Whom God raised up. What did God do? God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he was at my right hand that I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You've made known to me the ways of life You make me full of joy in your presence. Verse 29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us today. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, would rise up the Christ to sit on the throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul would not be left in Hades, nor his flesh see corruption. Verse 32. This Jesus God has raised up, which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, every one of you. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Final verse, verse 39. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Father, we thank you and praise you for what you did again in the first service, what you did even yesterday, and now what you'll do here I pray every man, every woman, every child be brought low. You be glorified and magnified. I would to God that you would write on the fleshly tablets of our heart that the effects of this service would be far-reaching 
even to eternity. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All of human history was affected by what we are celebrating on this day, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, 2,000 years ago. When you look at the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus was crucified at the exact same time as the Passover. The Passover is a celebration of the death angel passing over at the final judgment in Egypt. It was the last of the plagues. God's people in Egypt being captive, slave, being under bondage and slavery. Moses, the deliverer, is instructed by God to tell each family of Israel, every home, to take a lamb, one lamb for every house. And they would slaughter that lamb and they would put the blood on the doorpost and the lentils. Actually, it makes a picture of the cross on the door of their home. And when the death angel, the destroying angel would come, would pass over, when he would see the blood, would pass over the homes that had the blood on the doorposts and and, and lentils of their homes. And so that death angel came, killing the firstborn of those who did not have the blood. And that celebration of that deliverance that God brought to God's people is called Passover. And it is still celebrated today. Passover. So in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospel writers, they all talk about how Jesus comes and and when he sees John the Baptist seeing him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He doesn't say Lamb of God just to sort of say it. It's not some random thing he comes up with. The Pascal Lamb, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus sent his one and only begotten Son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the truth is if you have not believed on him and biblically what that means, if you've not repented of your sin and received him as your Lord and Savior, if you've never been born again, then your sin remains. And in actual fact, the death angel will come for you one day if you remain in that place and end up in a place called hell, end up in a place called Hades. But Jesus has made a way. And so when he says, behold the Lamb of God, clearly everyone, every one of those Jews who were being baptized that day by John the Baptist understood what he was saying. Behold, the culmination of the type and the shadow, Jesus, the Lamb of God. And what's also fascinating to me is that when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified at the exact time they're killing the lambs. So you would go with your family to the Passover and you would bring a lamb to be sacrificed for your sins and for the sins of your family, if I'm simplifying it today. And so when the lambs would then go to be slaughtered is the exact time, the exact time that Jesus is being crucified. It's also interesting is that if you were to go and take a lamb, if you understand Jewish history and culture, the lamb would have the name of your family hung around its neck so they knew which the lamb was, what lamb that represented, what family. In the same way, Jesus had King of kings and Lord of lords on his cross, the Savior of the world. And am I? Darkness fell when he died. His friends scattered. All seemed lost. And heaven started to be counted to three. And on the third day, on the third day, he got up. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He arose on Easter Sunday. Write in your notes now. Easter Sunday, he arose. 
And for 40 days, he appeared to the disciples. He ascended and commanded them that they should stay in Jerusalem and they're endued with power. The text that we're reading takes place. It's Peter, who is so scared of being in trouble that a girl chased him away from a fire. But now, something has happened where he's come out, this is 50 days after the resurrection, at the Feast of Pentecost. God has poured out his spirit in Acts chapter 2, and something happened. The sound of a mighty rushing wind comes, and Peter and the 120 in the upper room, they come out and Peter preaches, scared by a girl, by a fire just 50 days before. Now it comes and preaches until 3,000 people give their hearts to Christ. Amazing. What happened? Preached to the crowd. What happened? What happened is he was a witness of the resurrection. He was a witness and he got filled with the Spirit. Let's look at this text, this passage of Peter. Peter explains, as we read, what happened. You killed the Lord of life, but God raised him from the dead. The core message of his, of his preaching that day was the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, the resurrection of Christ. He literally foretold, it's literally foretold in David's prophecy in the Psalms, and we read a section of that, verse 27. And the disciples of Jesus witnessed the fact that he came back to life, verse 32. God raised him raises Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it. It's not some story that they made up. What I am going to endeavor to do in the remaining portion of this service is prove to you the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and then bring you to a decision, bring you to a place. Because if he really did rise again from the grave, then you and I have a choice. You and I are led to, to come to a place of decision. Come on, someone say, he lives. Yes. They were witnesses. The resurrection is Christianity. Listen, Buddha, no offense, but he's dead. Confucius is dead. Muhammad is dead. There's only one. There is only one. All other religions are reaching up to God, but Christianity is the only one that God reaches down to man by the way we're yet sinners. Christ died for us. It's the only religion in all the world. So do you have to make a, do you have to distinguish that? Yeah. Yeah. Very unique. The centerpiece of all apostolic preaching is the crucifixion and resurrection. Let me just bring you some of this apostolic preaching out of Acts quickly. Acts 3. Verse 14 says, you disowned the holy righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we're witnesses. The same message. Jesus died, Jesus rose. Acts chapter 4. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to the rulers, now they, they've just done this miracle has taken place, and he's talking to the religious people, those who basically crucified Jesus. He's so full of boldness, so full of fire, he can't shut his mouth. Why? Because he was a witness. He saw it. Acts 4, verse 10. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for this act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and being asked how he was healed, know this, that you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. 
that this man stands before you healed. The miracle was because Jesus rose again from the grave. The reason your sin can be forgiven is because Jesus died and rose again. The reason that your sickness can be eradicated by the power of the word and the blood is because of his death and his resurrection. The reason you don't have to have depression anymore is because of his death and his resurrection. The reason that cancer bows the knee, the reason that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess is because Jesus died and rose again from the grave. He lives. Come on, say it. He lives. Acts chapter 5 and verse 30. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on the cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and the Savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Acts chapter 10. Peter now, talking to Gentiles. Those are all non-Jews. The whole first century church began with Jews. Then Peter is sent here to Gentiles in, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Wow. The same message over and over and over and over again. Acts chapter 13 and verse 29. And when they carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. We're not talking about some religion that has a bunch of rules. We're not talking about some nice theological nicety where we could just say, oh yes, he just rose again from the grave. The, the fact that Jesus rose again from the grave is a historical truth. And I am going to endeavor to prove it to you. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 15, 17. Because if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins, says Paul to the church in Corinth. Then those who have fallen asleep, that's dead, in Christ are lost. My, my, my. Verse 20. But Christ is indeed raised from the dead. Easter is not about the bunny. We had protesters. I just feel like, I don't just almost feel like we sort of, we arrived or something. I mean, it's like, I was so excited about the fact we had protesters. We had protesters at our event. And you, you, think, it, you think it would be like, I mean, it was a church. I know. How legalistic and bound up can you get? The truth is, I think they were, I, I think they were just mistaken. See, because we were just really, we were really baiting people. That's manipulation. You can call it what you want. Guilty. We tried to, re you can't redeem the egg, although it is a picture of the Holy Spirit. The shell, albumen, and the yolk. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's a picture of the one, three in one God. Right? Okay. No, no, no. So they were there, and they were, they were you know, protesting that we were having an Easter egg on 45,000 eggs, over 3,000 people, and hundreds that prayed that gave their life to Christ. I don't think they realized, yeah, come on. I don't think they realized that, you know, we were going to give them Jesus and preach the gospel. I think they were upset about the eggs and the bunny. The bunny, ooh, eat the bunny. Right, I think they were upset about all that. But anyway. They uh, left shortly thereafter. Now, without the resurrection, there's no Christianity at all. The resurrection of Christ is a historical event, 
And Peter said, we're witnesses. Listen, somebody said, well, can you prove it with science? Well, let me read to you a definition of science. Science, the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. Maybe you've heard of the scientific method. The only problem with that is that you can't put history into a test tube because unique things are taking place. And of course, it's not a natural thing that took place. It's a supernatural thing. No, the resurrection is a reality. It's not a figment of some crazed religious people's minds that they came up with. You say, well, I don't know. I don't think there is and for religious crazed people. Peter denied Christ, and now he's putting his life on the line. Why, why, why would he do that? Because he saw the risen Savior. If you, just, if, you put, if you put the resurrection, the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ into a, a, court law, a courtroom and begin to examine it, you'll find that there is no other solution to the behaviors of people like all the apostles and how they gave their lives. All the disciples, they moved from hiding boldly, from hiding to boldly proclaiming Jesus as Lord. I mean, how is it that you run away naked? I mean, his clothes ripped and he ran, you know, at the garden. How is it that you're, that you're Peter, you deny the Lord, you deny the Lord, you run away from the fire, you curse, and how is it that you're so terrified you can't stand with him, and then afterwards you're coming out like, listen to me, you brood of vipers, you know what I mean, you're just preaching until people, what happened? Something happened. What happened? He rose again from the grave. And you also can't explain their lives. How is it that all the disciples except one, all the apostles except one, died a, the death of a martyr? You know what a martyr is? A martyr is someone who gives her life for their faith. Peter and Paul, both of them martyred in 66 AD. And uh, you'd do well to, if you would pick up a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. All you old timers know what the Fox's Book of Martyrs is. I think every Christian ought to have the Fox's Book of Martyrs. That way, when you're feeling persecuted by your job and the different things, if somebody that cuts you off as you were driving your truck, you can go and comfort yourself in Fox's Book of Martyrs and see what other people went through to keep the faith. And there's still martyrs today. There's still martyrs today. Peter and Paul, both martyred in 66 AD, persecuted under Nero. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified. But Peter said, I will not die the same death as my Lord. You'll have to hang me upside down. So they crucified him upside down, and he died. Andrew was sent to a place called the Man Eaters. That's what is now this Soviet Union. what is now Russia, pardon me. And he went off to Russia. Christians there claim him to be the first one to brought the gospel there. Also to Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and to Greece. And he was also crucified. Doubting Thomas. Anybody ever heard of Doubting Thomas? Well, apparently he mustered up some faith because Doubting Thomas was also run through with spears by four soldiers in India, Syria. Philip possibly had one of the most powerful ministries in Carthage, North Africa, also arrested because he led a proconsul's wife to Christ and he was cruelly put to death. Matthew, the tax collector, ministered in Persia and Ethiopia. And he says he was martyred and stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew, widespread missionary travels. And tradition has it that he was with Thomas in India, also back in Armenia, Ethiopia, southern Arabia. And he was also martyred for his death. James, son of Alphaeus, 
is one of the least of the three James referred to in the New Testament. There is some confusion about what happened to him, but they say he was basically stoned and clubbed to death in Syria. Simon the Zealot, you guys okay? Simon the Zealot, as the story goes, ministered in Persia and was killed for not worshiping and sacrificing to the sun god. Matthias, the apostle chosen to replace Judas, was also killed by being burned. And John was not killed. He's the only one that is not martyred in fulfillment of the, of the prophetic word over him by Jesus. But they sure tried to kill him. I mean, they tried to boil him in oil. And they tried to deep fry homeboy. Put him in boiling oil and fry him. But how do you kill someone who can't be killed? How do you keep someone dead who can't stay dead? Jesus rose again from the grave, and that's why these men, oh, they say, well, they all fabricated it so they could make their own cult, and, and then people would fall. Who would ever do that? People would lie and maybe live for a lie, but you're not going to give your life for a lie. Never mind being stoned, being killed, being run through, being speared. All of them? All of them? Obviously, something happened to these boys over and over and over. There's all kinds of ridiculous theories. I mean, you have to have more faith than some of the theories they put out there. Here's a swoon theory. That Jesus didn't really die. It's the swoon theory because when he was 12 years old, there's all this missing time in the Gospels. doesn't talk about where Jesus was after he was 12. And so he went to, he went to India and studied with some Botswana Yogananda guy. And he became a master yogi. No, I'm serious. It's like, yeah, that's what he did. He studied yoga. So while he's being crucified, he lowered his heart rate so that they thought he was dead. And I'm not sure how you cover the pierce through your side and the blood and water coming out. I mean, and that attribute, listen, that, that swoon theory that he just, he slowed down his heart rate and then they pretended he was dead and then they put him in a tomb and he got up. They would have killed him immediately afterwards, number one. Number two, it also attributes the greatest torturers and murderers in all of human history, the Romans, are complete imbeciles when it came to killing Jesus. Yeah, they're the, they're the greatest torturers and murderers in all of history, and they just screwed up with him. Wrong tomb. That they, 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 they put him in a tomb. Here's the wrong tomb theory. In other words, they went, and, and there, there is Mary Magdalene, uh, and, and it's the wrong, she was mistaken. She, she, she got the wrong tomb. He was in the tomb, you know, next door. And so like, the tomb is empty. She fabricated the angels. All that, I mean, right, right. And, and, and listen, the other thing is that if you're going to make a story, I mean, if you're going to fabricate something and come up with a lie, right? You're going to come up with it. You're not going to appear before a bunch of hysterical women as the first ones to be your storytellers. No, 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 let me, let me, let me go deeper. First of all, in the first century, women couldn't testify. They couldn't vote. So, so you're going to appear before a woman. No, 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 not just a woman. She was a prostitute. So you're not just going to appear to a woman. You're going to appear to a woman who was a prostitute. You appear to her first, and she gets to tell the good news to everybody. That's insane. No, no, no. If a man was writing it, you'd have him show up to Herod, who would just pee himself on the spot. Right? I mean, that would be a good movie right there. I'm, I am the resurrection. Ah! Yeah, you'd have all kinds of coolness like that. It's not anything like that. And the other thing is having been to Israel, and many of you have, maybe some of you haven't, 
Having been to Israel, all of this story, I mean, Israel's the size of Rhode Rhode Island. Having been there, Peter is preaching in walking distance from the tomb. No, they didn't make a a mistake. It's not the wrong tomb. He wasn't a yoga, yoganandi guy. He didn't slow down his heart. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the wrong tomb. It wasn't a mistake. No, Jesus rose again from the grave. It's the only explanation that you can bring to the disciples, giving their very lives for what they saw. Why? Because they were witnesses. People knew what he was saying is true. And the Romans didn't steal the body either. That's another fabrication. No, the gospel story is true. The gospel story is true. Nothing in all of history broke in with truth and light like the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, they say that Islam's growing faster than Christianity. That's totally not true. God is moving around the earth at an unprecedented rate. Why? Because he's alive. He's alive. He, he lives. And he has dominion over hell, death, and the grave. Well, how does that affect us? Well, the first thing is we're forgiven. I said we're forgiven. See, you're not forgiven just because you asked. Well, I'm glad you want to ask, but understand there's a basis by which you are forgiven. It's not just because you asked him to. There's a thing called justice. In fact, God is the author of justice. Justice was served in that your sin and mine required payment. And the payment for your sin and mine is not, is not a, a lamb, a lamb like that, but God's lamb. Sinless, fully man, fully God to die in your place, to die the last Adam. As sin came into the world through the first Adam, sin laughed, left the earth for all who believe through the last Adam. Jesus was crucified and resurrected so you and I can be forgiven. That's how it affects us, so that you can I be, can be forgiven, so that heaven can be our home. Let me read the scripture to you, 2 Corinthians 4.14, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus to present himself and with you. Heaven. Heaven is, is going to be our final resting place. But that's not the sole purpose of receiving Jesus. Because if that was the sole purpose, I think that most people here have received Christ. If you haven't, in a moment, I'm going to boldly ask you to make a decision for Jesus. I'm going to boldly ask you to, to repent of your sin. And you're gonna take, it's going to take courage in that hour, in that moment, coming up, right around the corner. It's going to take courage to receive Jesus and repent of your sin. You can't be forgiven any other way. Heaven becomes your home, but if you were just to receive Jesus and that would, you know, and then you end up going to heaven, you die the second you prayed the sinner's prayer. The second you said, Oh, I believe that you died on a cross and rose again. Lord, forgive me of my sin. And you go straight to heaven. That, that, that's not what happens. No, we're, we're, we're left here. Why? So that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and so that we can be healed and delivered from demon power. You've got God's life flowing through you. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Got God's power flowing through you. We war not against flesh and blood. You know, I uh, humorously expressed how when Peter and John at the hour of prayer went 
to the man who is brought daily to the gate called Beautiful, and he looks at them expecting to receive something from them. They didn't pull a prescription out of their pockets and give, give him, you know, two Oxycontins and say, I hope you feel better. No, they said, silver and gold have I none. I want you to know this, that it is demon power that comes to steal, kill, and destroy in your life, in your family. And the only way demon power is dealt with is by the power, the name, the blood, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the only way. We war not against flesh and blood. Suicide is a spirit needs to be driven out of the state. Come on, the opioid crisis needs to be driven out of the state. How? By the authority of the power, the name of Jesus, and the blood of the Lamb. Many of you struggling with depression, anxiety, you don't have to struggle anymore. You don't have to be bound anymore. You don't have to be addicted anymore. You can be free. You can be healed. Your marriage can be put back in order. Your kids can find Christ and go on to serve and have a wonderful life. All because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Hebrews 2 and 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by fear of death. You don't have to be bound. Demons are subject to his name. Romans 6 and 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Romans 8 and 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. The apostle Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ no longer. I that live, but Christ lives in me. That you must be born again. You must receive Jesus. Yes, he died and he rose again so that you could have newness of life, so that your name can be written in heaven. Yes, so that you'll have power and authority over over darkness, sickness, and disease. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all. How many? All who were oppressed and sick of the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10 and 10. It's the gospel, the good news in one verse. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life to the full. God doesn't want you suffering and eating dirt and thinking of yourself like a dirt bag sinner. He wants you to rise up on a new creation, bought with the blood, cleansed by the blood, walking in newness of life, resurrected, resurrected, resurrected life. That's what he has for you. And we'll have a new body. We'll have a new body. You get a glorified body when you get to heaven. Mine is completely ripped. I don't know what you're, I'm just like. Shredded. Somebody said to me, how do you know yours is shredded? I said, I know, man, I'm I'm ripped. No dieting, nothing. Just show up instantly ripped. Just (laughs) Ripped. Somebody said, no, you don't know that. That's just your opinion. I started thinking about that, and I thought, yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true, because that's what we, that's what, you know, maybe we're drawn to or what we would like to look like, our physique. The truth is, we could be just six and 700 pounds, just rotating as, whoo, rotund, amen, for the glory. Don't have to worry about anything. 
Just eat whatever you want. I think they called it voluptuous back in the day. And all of us voluptuous people said, amen, praise God. I have no scriptural backing for what I just said about that. We can live holy. Everybody say you can live holy. Turn to Colossians 6 and 1. See, Jesus died. Jesus rose again. We can be filled with the Spirit. Heaven is our home. But we can live holy now, right now. We've got power. We've got authority to live holy, to live righteous before Him. Colossians 6 and 1. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on the earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. He goes on to say in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Sounds like a rap almost. Which is idolatry. Come on, we can live holy. Worship team, would you come? I want to challenge you all across this place, those online. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I know of no better day to do it than the high holiday of what we call Easter Resurrection Sunday. All around the world is being celebrated. Jesus lives. Jesus rose again from the grave. That newness of life he has for you. But you must make a decision. You must repent of your sin. Repent, mean, re means again, pent, think. You must think of things differently and begin to see that all of our lying, stealing, cheating, the greed, all of that thing, all of those things are an affront to God. See, God loves you, but you're separated from God because of your sin. And I was separated because of mine. I am no longer separated because I made a decision to live for Jesus. I make that decision every day of my life. But there is a one-time conversion where you truly give your heart to Christ. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes at night to Jesus. And he comes at night because he doesn't want anybody to see him. The religious leaders didn't like this Jesus of Nazareth who was healing people and doing miracles, signs and wonders. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, we know that you're a teacher come from God because nobody could do those signs, wonders, and miracles that you do unless he was from God. And he's having dialogue in the night. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You see, there's just as we are made in God's image, he's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's three parts to you. Spirit, soul, and body. Here's, this is my body. It's my hand, my left hand. Body. Soul, or Greek understanding, if you will, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You're, you are not your mind, your will, and your emotions. Somebody say, praise God for that. Thank you, Jesus. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Then there's your spirit. Your spirit is that which is going to live forever. Your spirit is cut off from a relationship with God. I'm not talking about a rule book. You don't need a rule book. You need a Savior. You need, you need a, a vibrant relationship with the risen Savior, with Jesus Christ, who made a way. Though our sins be red like crimson, as it says in Isaiah 53, 700 years before Jesus ever came. Though our sins be red like crimson, red like blood, I'll wash them and make them as white as snow. 
He says, I'll take out the heart of stone and I'll put in the heart of flesh. You must be born again. If you've never given your life to Christ and been born again, you can't remember when you've done that? The odds are you probably haven't. So what, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you, you could go to church every day of the week. You could get baptized and have baptismal waters dripping off of your face. But if you never make a decision to repent, to, to ask Him to sorrow, be, for, you know, be sorry for your sin, and to ask Him to come into your life, then your sin remains. And that means when, it, when you die, which no man knows the time and the hour. No one, not one. But when that time is up, that decision that you made as you pass on into eternity, your sin will remain. And God, being a God of justice, cannot let you pass. And you will end up in a place of eternal judgment. He said, I don't like that. I don't like it either. Who would write that? No man would write that. Man wouldn't condemn himself. No. No man wouldn't do that. That sounds like God to me. Beat the devil with two sticks. cross he's alive he lives he lives and because he lives you can live you can be free you can have your sin forgiven and thrown as far as the east is from the west you can be washed you can be cleansed you can be free from torment there's a number of people here and you are tormented at night it's like something dark comes into your room and you roll around awake at night tormented violent thoughts going through your mind there's a number of people like that here you can be free from that listen you you might have received jesus and that happens you can you can deal with that today but on this resurrection sunday those online those here if you've never given your life to Christ, won't you do it today? Won't you give your life to Jesus? Oh, you'll never regret it. Not religion. Religion and tradition are a stench in the nostrils of God. You need to receive Jesus. You need to believe on Him. I'm not, I'm not asking you to join my church. You go to the church that God leads you, but it doesn't matter where you go. You must first make a decision for Jesus Christ. That is why we're here. That is why we do what we do. That is why we tirelessly stuff stupid Easter eggs with candy. So we can have thousands of people that can hear what I just told you. That is why we, we co-labor, and that's why we fast, and that's why we pray, and that's why we give. Because hell is on the line, and so is heaven. And God's intention for you is to go to heaven, not go to hell. God's plan for you is to be free, not in bondage, not in torment. God's plan for you is to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. So where are you? Where are you? Where are you this morning? this afternoon or this evening for those of you that are online thank you for joining today's podcast if God is impacting your life through this ministry you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com also don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one